Chapter 1. Nature of the Beast Homo sapiens does its best to forget the fact, but it is an animal. Yuval Noah Harari For most of modern human history, the idea of human movement has largely been taken for granted. It tends only to be those affected by movement, impairment, or loss who become keenly aware of just how vitally important movement is. The majority of us go about our lives walking, running, and playing with no need to examine our movement until it is affected by pain or dysfunction. We now find ourselves at an inflection point, and our relationship with movement has taken an unprecedented turn for the worse. Our kinesthetic aptitude has been a consistent and vital imperative for millennia, is now mutating into the most significant detriment to human health. To fully understand this emerging paradigm, we will first have to take a bit of a detour. Steve Jobs famously stated that, if you define the problem correctly, you almost have the solution. I think being healthy is best defined as the condition of being sound in body, mind, and spirit. This succinct definition gives us a holistic target to shoot for, but I think Moshe Feldenkrais gives us the most inspiring definition of all. A healthy person is one who lives fully his unavowed dreams. The antithesis of good health is disease, and it comes as no surprise that humans, particularly westernized humans, are more unhealthy than ever. While advances in medicine have lowered infant mortality and lengthened life expectancy, medicine has not provided humans with a defined path to health. Exactly how we get ourselves into this scenario and how we dig ourselves out of these unhealthy bodies and early graves is a complex and multifactorial endeavor. Even in the face of many impending global issues, it is hard to imagine a more important question than how to correct course on human health. Yet, we seem to continue to stray further away from a solution rather than move towards one. Some of the more significant concerns at hand are obesity, chronic disease, substance abuse, and mental health issues. And there is a correlation. Daniel Lieberman, author of The Story of the Human Body, calls this condition mismatched diseases. The mismatch hypothesis of environmental medicine attempts to answer why so many people are getting sick from previously rare illnesses, and the primary connection between the environments humans initially adapted to and are now maladaptive behavior based on our current and wildly different setting. In essence, the very adaptations that help bring us to our current state, the ability to store calories as fat, proficiency at creating and using tools, and our remarkable and unique consciousness are all now being weaponized against us. Simply put, humans have become ill-suited for their environment. The irony here is that humans have entirely created the current environment. For better or worse, we have made our bed and now we have to lie in it. We have become the creators, curators, and protectors of an environment led by a societal devotion to growth and profit at the expense of health and vitality. But at what cost? To understand precisely what is happening to Homo sapiens, it may help to look at a strange adaptation occurring in an entirely different species, Bufo marinus or the Australian cane toad. The cane toad is a feral species native to South and Middle America, introduced to Australia in 1935 by the Bureau of Sugar Experiment to help control beetle populations. Since that time, the original 100 toads ballooned to more than 200 million. In a country known for its invasive species, the cane toad has become one of the greatest. During the cane toad's precipitous procreation, a peculiar adaptation took place. 
The toads were not only increasing in number, but they also expanded the range they traveled. They evolved longer legs, greater endurance, and a tendency to move faster and further. However, while these adaptations provided the benefit of covering more territory to reproduce and establish a broader habitat, a trade-off occurred. These ultramarathoning toads now have shorter lifespans and more spinal injuries due to their lengthened limbs. So why did these toads trade the ability to move faster and farther for shorter, more painful lives? Researchers at the University of Sydney's Richard Schein lab determined that the process of spatial sorting was the culprit. Spatial sorting is analogous to survival of the fittest, with the ability to occupy space or territory being the determining factor of genetic success. Whereas in a typical evolution model, the amount of time a species can keep its lineage alive is the primary factor. In this case, spatial sorting led to a genetic surge of toads with these Christopher Columbus-esque traits leading the forefront of the genetic battle for supremacy. The exact reasons for the prioritization of spatial sorting over health and longevity are still not completely understood. Theories point to the fact that spatiotemporal fitness, or that organisms prioritize temporal fitness, longevity, and the ability to spread out and claim new territory over their own health. Sound familiar? I think we can all agree that if we had to give it up to humans in one arena, it would be that we have divided and conquered quite successfully. With 7.8 billion people covering almost every habitable space on the face of the earth, and perhaps outer space if we believe Elon Musk, we fall right in line with the concept of spatial sorting, ever expanding, but in a strange twist of fate, slowly killing ourselves and our environment in the process. One of the cornerstones of human ability to successfully dominate an entire planet has been, and continues to be, our ability to develop and wield technology. Technology allows us to improve efficiency while decreasing manual labor demands. Watching how chimpanzees utilize the branch of a tree to fish termites out of a mound gives us an idea of just how far we have come, or perhaps how far we have fallen. We have built a culture largely reliant on and addicted to technology that has made everything from obtaining food, working, and dating so devoid of physical connection or challenge that it is no wonder that this chasm of mismatch is occurring. Even though this technological trade-off has given humans the ability to travel the world, knock on the door of the cosmos, cure diseases that were once thought incurable, and connect almost every human across the face of the earth, the price is steep. As humans alter the micro, meso, and macro environments of earth to extents we didn't think possible, it seems that from the outside looking in, our world is no longer suitable for biological life. Elevated global temperatures, rising sea levels, and mass species extinction all point to a less human-friendly blue marble. What if the reality is the fact that humans are now far more ill-suited for life on Earth? In the end, it's not the years in your life that count, it's the life in your years. You've probably heard this quote at some point, and no, it was not Honest Abe, but instead, Edward J. Stieglitz, M.D., while life expectancy in the West has continued to increase, with the current expectancy at 78.4 years, these added years are more typically filled with more disease and disability. Part of the reality of living longer is naturally facing more health issues due to normal signs of aging, mainly attributed to cellular disorganization and dysfunction. As far as modern science can tell, this ultimately leads to our final sleep or senescence. However, the disease and disability that we are seeing occur is not happening in our golden years. Instead, we see major health issues occurring at much younger ages, propping up these morbidities with a healthcare system that is great at keeping the living from dying, 
but not as well suited at keeping the living healthy. So what exactly are the issues that are more commonly occurring at earlier ages? According to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, interestingly, prevention was added until 1992, the leading cause of death in the U.S. are heart disease and cancer with accidents, respiratory disease, and stroke not far behind. Not surprisingly, the leading cause of these disorders are tobacco use, poor nutrition, excessive alcohol intake, and a lack of physical activity. It seems like an easy fix as a species. We must stop smoking, drink less alcohol, and replace it with water, eat a diet full of clean proteins, and move more. If so, then we could cause a dramatic decrease in morbidity and mortality rates. With such a simple solution, why hasn't more positive change occurred? Well, why did congressionally supported anti-tobacco campaigns of 1967 not snuff out smoking completely? Why did federally mandated alcohol prohibition only last for 13 years, 1920 to 1933? Why have the federal nutritional guidelines, first released in 1943, changed so much? and often supported advice in the face of competing evidence. Why did Lyndon B. Johnson's presidential fitness test of 1966 not get us all moving more? To understand the current health crisis, we need to explore further the underpinnings of major diseases and mortality causes, and, as with most things, the best way to do that is to follow the money. <laughs>